0: Hey, welcome once again to Freedom Bible Church. We're glad that you're tuning in with us again today. Uh, Happy Easter to you. Uh, Just a little introduction about our church. Uh, We are all about helping people to know Jesus, follow Jesus, serve Jesus, and obey Jesus. And what better day to do that than Easter Sunday, uh, we're glad that you're here and want to welcome you to tune in any Saturday or Sunday or Monday or Tuesday. You can jump online and see our messages, but want to welcome you especially on this Easter Sunday. Um, let me pray for us and then we'll get going with our message today. Hey Father, we've got a lot of things to pray for. We, we pray again for um, our president and government officials and governors that they would use a lot of good judgment and wisdom in the decisions that they're making. Lord, we pray for our first responders and frontline people in the hospitals, for protection for them, for endurance for them. We pray for people that are contracting this disease, Father, uh, this virus. We pray for quick recovery. We pray for safety. We pray that they would not lose their life. And, Father, we pray for people who are losing jobs, being laid off, for small business owners and business owners. God, we pray for relief, and we pray that they'd be able to stay in business, and that, that uh, people who are without jobs, that you would provide for them. Lord, we just really need your help. And we pray, especially today, this Easter Sunday, Lord, that we would have hope in you. And as we look at your word this morning, that you would speak to each one of us. Speak to us, Father, Um, Tell us about your great power. Tell us about your great purpose for our lives, Lord. Uh, We pray that you would do that today through Jesus. Amen. You know, I bet that this is an Easter that you will never forget. Now, I don't know when churches and people began to officially celebrate Easter and uh, recognize Easter Sunday as a day to celebrate. Uh, we know when the first Easter Sunday happened, but we don't know when churches started officially celebrating that. But I bet you there has never, ever been one like this before, where everybody's at home, having church service at home. Most church buildings are empty. Never been an Easter Sunday like this. Uh, one of my earliest Easter memories probably as a four- or five-year-old kid, was uh, going to Buffalo, New York on Easter Sunday. We would have to get up early, uh, drive about an hour and a half. We'd go to visit my aunt and my uncle, and we'd have to get there in time for their church. So that meant we had to get up really early. So my parents let us go find our Easter baskets really, really early so we could be ready to leave for Buffalo early. Well, this particular Easter, I remember finding my Easter basket and they had those little chocolate eggs. You remember those things? Maybe you've got some today. In fact, you know what? Now might be a really good time if you're a parent and you've got young kids. Go let your kids get their Easter candy and bring it with them so they can eat it while they're listening this morning. Well, I had these chocolate eggs and I wanted to take them with me to Buffalo so that I could eat them during church. So I remember I had this blue pair of pants, some type of button shirt, and this slick blue vest. And I took these chocolate eggs and I put them in my pocket. And they were in my, my blue pants pockets all the way to Buffalo. And I get to church and I reach in my pocket to get a candy. And they're all melted and smushed and sticky all inside my pocket. made a huge, huge mess. So if you're going to get candy this morning, don't put it in your pocket. I'll never forget that Easter, and I hope you'll never forget this Easter. Because this current Easter, with, with all this unprecedented, bizarre things going on in the world, um, it doesn't even compare to some of the wild events that took place on the very first <laughs> Easter. And we're going to read about that today, and we're going to see the amazing power of God on display for everyone to see. And we're also going to see God's purposes for you and for me also on display revealed in this very first Easter. So I'm going to start reading from Matthew chapter 27, uh, verses 45 through chapter 28, verse 10. We're going to pick up here in verse 45, this is right after Jesus is nailed to the cross. He's crucified, nailed to the cross at 9 a.m. And then at noon, we're going to pick up at noon. Verse 45 says, from the sixth hour, that's noon. The beginning of the Jewish day is 6 a.m. That's the first hour. The sixth hour is noon. From the sixth hour until the ninth hour. So from noon until three o'clock in the afternoon, Darkness came over all the land. So for three hours, everything went dark. Now that's normal if it's nighttime. That is completely abnormal happening in the middle of the day at noon. Now you might say, well, that happens when there's a solar eclipse. But a solar eclipse lasts for minutes, not for hours. Total darkness came over the land. This was from God. God's power on display. In the Old Testament, in the book of Amos, chapter 8, verses 9 through 10, darkness is equated with judgment. Darkness is equated with God's judgment. God was revealing and displaying judgment in this hour, those three hours. Verse 46, About the ninth hour, so three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice in Aramaic, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God was pouring out his judgment on Jesus in this hour. Let's jump to verse 50. When Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. He died. Verse 51 says, At that moment, the moment that he died, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom. The earth shook and the rocks split. These are two significant events. You see this curtain in the temple that was torn in two, it separated the holy place in the temple from the holy of holy place, the most holy place. This curtain, which was 30 feet wide by 30 feet tall, and we don't know how thick it was, but imagine this big curtain had to be an half an inch thick or so, separating everybody, where the priest could go was the holy place, but the most holy, the high priest could go there just once a year. Just once a year. This curtain separated everybody from God. And so in this moment of judgment, because of the death of Christ, the curtain was split in two from the top to the bottom. Now, this wasn't some priest walking by and his buckle on his sandal snagged a thread at the bottom, and as he walked that thread unwound and it split the curtain in two from the bottom to the top, not at all. This was a completely supernatural, powerful event. God's power on display that he tore the temple curtain in two, so that people could now have access to God through the death of Christ. The judgment that people deserved was put on Christ on the cross and now people could be free to have access to God through the death of Christ. Pretty amazing. Second amazing event there was these rocks split open. The earth shook, the rocks split apart, and what happened? Verse 52 says that the tombs broke open and the bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out from the tombs and after Jesus' resurrection, three days later, they went into the holy city, into Jerusalem, and they appeared to many people. And you might say, what? Wait a minute. This is just too amazing. No stinking way. This has got to be made up. This can't be true. But there were eyewitnesses that this happened. And besides, there are other documented cases of dead people being brought back to life by the power of God. In John eleven forty four, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead by the power of God. In Luke eight fifty six. Jesus raised a little girl whose dad's name was Jairus, who was dead, raised her back to life. In Luke seven fifteen, there was a widow in the village of Nain whose son died and Jesus brought him back to life. So this is not natural. It's supernatural. This is the power of God on display. Raise these people to life. And we don't know where it took place, where these tombs were at. But in three days they were in Jerusalem walking around and they appeared to many people. Well, when the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and they exclaimed, surely this was the son of God. Now this Roman centurion, these centurions, they were elite fighters. They were known for their strength, they were known for their courage, they were known for being violent and ruthless, and they had never known defeat. And here, he is terrified, and this word means there's an utter fear, there's a, a reverence in admitting that this is the Son of God. He recognized that this was no ordinary man, and this was no ordinary death. Verse 55 says that that many women were there. They were watching from a distance, and they had followed Jesus from Galilee to care for his needs. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee's sons. Zebedee's sons were James and and John, two other guys. So these women were there, and I want to point out um, that there's a real significance to women in ministry. Now, we know it's true, according to God's word, that men have a unique directive to be pastors and elders. That's reserved for men. God's given that directive to them. But these women, they were followers of Jesus. They were disciples of Jesus. They cared for the needs of Jesus. And women are just as valuable in ministry as men. They have unique directives and roles to fill just like men have unique directives and roles to fill. And we see the significance of these women. Verse 57, As evening approached, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who had himself become a disciple of Jesus. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body, and Pilate ordered that it be given to him. Joseph took the body, wrapped it in a clean linen cloth, and placed it in his own new tomb that he had cut out of the rock. He rolled a big stone in front of the entrance of the tomb and then went away. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were sitting there opposite the tomb. Let's take a look at what a tomb may have looked like. You can see that here is a a tomb cut out of the rock. It would have been in a rock face, sort of like a cave. And they would have built a little run to roll the rock in front of that tomb. Big, heavy rock. It would take more than one person to do it, but that's what a tomb would have looked like. And as I was studying that this week, I read that uh, a rich or wealthy person would have a tomb similar to this, but they would not use a rock like this. Uh, A wealthy person would use a rock like this one, almost like a cork for a bottle, and it would plug... That hole, not roll in front, but it would plug it, much more difficult to remove. And we're going to read in a little bit that uh, the Roman government actually approved of a seal being put on that tomb. So after the the rock is inserted, wax would be dripped on, and then a signet would be placed on that, certifying that no one can break that, that seal. That's what that tomb would have looked like. Verse 62, the next day, the one after preparation day, so the next day was Saturday after Friday, the chief priests and the Pharisees went to Pilate. Sir, they said, we recommend, we remember that while he was still alive, that deceiver, that Jesus said, after three days, I will rise again. So give the order for the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may come and steal the body and tell the people that he's been raised from the dead. This last deception will be worse than the first. Take a guard, Pilate answered. And what do you mean by guard? We don't know for sure if this was centurions or temple guards, but a guard was 16 soldiers, uh, security officers. Um, if they were temple guards, they weren't as dangerous as, As the Roman centurions, but they were trained to fight and they were trained to enforce the law. So this guard, Pilate said, Take a guard, go and make the tomb as secure as you know how. So they went and they made the tomb secure by putting that seal, wax with the signet, the Roman signet on it. They put the seal on the stone and posted the guard. And if you broke that seal, it was punishable by death. Well, chapter 28, verse 1 then says, After the Sabbath, after Saturday, at dawn on the first day of the week, so it's 6 a.m. on Sunday, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. Well, here we go. Here's another violent earthquake. This is 15 hours after the first earthquake. 15 hours later, a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, he rolled back the stone and then he sat on it. More displays of God's power. So many displays in a three-day span. Verse 3 says that his appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. So these 16 guards, these strong, dangerous, fearless men of action, were scared to death. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just like he said. So before the stone was rolled away, Jesus was already gone. So the angel didn't roll the stone away so that Jesus could get out. He was already out. He rolled the stone away so that you and I could get in and see that it's true. Jesus is alive. Come and see the place where he lay, and then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and he's going ahead of them, ahead of you, into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. Verse 8 So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy, and they ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him and they clasped his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and there they will see me. Happy Easter. Jesus Christ died on Friday He rose to life on Sunday, he ascended into heaven 40 days later, and he is there right now, today, in real time. He's alive, he's the savior, he's the sustainer. The power of God was on display that very first Easter. The purposes of God for you and me was also on display and revealed that very first Easter. Let's begin by first looking at the power of God on display. And first of all, God displayed his power as a foreshadowing. In verse 45, remember, the sky went dark for three hours, establishing the whole idea of judgment. The sins of all who believe in Christ were at that moment put on Christ. He received judgment in our place. If we trust Him and ask Him and Him alone to bear the weight of our, ju- of our sin and take that judgment. Remember in verse 51 that the earth shook. The rocks split apart. The tombs broke open. Bodies of holy people came back to life. We don't know where this took place, but we know that they showed up in Jerusalem on Sunday after Jesus rose from the dead and they appeared to many people. This these holy people coming back to life, that was a foreshadowing of Jesus coming back to life, of judgment for those who would reject Jesus. God displayed his power on Friday, foreshadowing the resurrection of Jesus on Sunday, the future resurrection for all of us for eternal life, and the future judgment for those who reject Christ. We want to praise God this morning, praise God this Easter, that we can avoid that judgment. Because when God displayed His power on Friday, He also He removed barriers for us to come to God. Remember in chapter 27, verse 51, the temple veil was torn in two, giving us access to God. God removed that barrier so that everybody who comes to God through the death of Christ, can access God through Jesus. In chapter 28, verses 2 through 4, the angel, by the power of God, shook the earth and moved that stone. Removed the stone from the entrance. Like I said before, not to let Jesus out. He was already out. But moved the stone to let us in. To remove that barrier so that we could go and see the risen Savior. He's not in the ground anymore. He's not in the grave anymore. We can come to God. We can have access to God in heaven through Christ. He removed that barrier for us. And the third display of God's power on that first Easter Sunday was Jesus coming back to life. God powerfully raised Jesus from the dead. He conquered death. Chapter 28, verses 6 and 7, The angel declared twice that Jesus has risen from the dead. He's not here anymore. Uh, Today is April the 12th. This week is tax week. So if you haven't filed your taxes yet, You've got this week to do it. I know that we've got an extension to pay the taxes, but you still have to file them this week. And you've probably heard it said before that there are two certain things in life, death and taxes. Yes, we all have to pay taxes right now, but more more important than that, we will all die physically. But those who believe in Christ as Savior to forgive their sins will rise again into heaven with God through Christ. There's a first death, a physical death for everybody. But then there is a second death described in Scripture. That second death is hell. It's the lake of fire. It's the judgment for Satan and his demons and for those who reject Christ Jesus Christ conquered that second death for us. He took the judgment in our place. That's the power of God on display for all to see that He conquered death. So we don't have to face that second death. On that first Easter, we see the power of God on display. We're going to shift gears a a little bit and look at the purposes of God. His purpose for you, His purpose for me, in the resurrection. First of all, God intends that we look intently for Jesus. Remember chapter 28, verse 1, at dawn the two Marys went to look at the tomb. They were there looking intently for Jesus. In chapter 28, verse 5, the angel told them, I know you are looking for Jesus. You're looking for him. I remember the very first Cleveland Indians baseball game that I went to. It was in the summer of 1995. The Indians were playing the Boston Red Sox. Uh, We took a, a group of teenagers from our church, our church youth group, to the Indians game. And we were down the first base side... All the way in the corner. We weren't in right field. We weren't on the baseline. We were just all the way up in the corner. Nosebleed seats. When the planes were coming into Hopkins airports, we had to duck. We were so high near the top. And I remember for Boston, there was a pitcher, uh, an all-star pitcher named Roger Clemens was pitching that day. And I thought, man, this will be cool. We can go to the Indians game, and we can see Roger Clemens pitch a no-hitter. Wouldn't that be cool? Well, that didn't happen. I remember the Indians won 7-5. to five. They pounded Clemens, knocked him out of the game. They won the game. And afterwards, this packed stadium, we're filing out. And as we're starting to walk down our aisle to go down the steps, I saw on one of the seats a wallet. Somebody who had been sitting there lost their wallet. So I found a police officer at the stadium Gave them the wallet and said, hey, I don't know who lost this. I didn't open it, but somebody lost their wallet. Somebody is going to be looking for their wallet. Imagine if that was you and you lost your wallet and you got halfway home and you realized, oh, no, I don't have my wallet on me. You would turn around. You would head back to the stadium. You would explain at the gate, hey, I lost my wallet. I need to go in and find that wallet. That wallet is super important. I've got to have that wallet. Help me find that wallet. You would look intently for that wallet. Well, what these women were looking for was much more valuable, much more important than that wallet. Let me ask you a question. What are you looking for in life? What are you looking for? Are you looking for that perfect job? Are you looking to have satisfaction and contentment? In that job? Are you looking for lots of money? Are you looking to get out of debt? Are you looking to buy that perfect house, that dream house? Are you looking to buy land where you can can play and recreate? Are you looking to buy a boat so you can get out on the lake and fish? Are you looking to get married and have kids and raise a family? Maybe you're in school still and you're just looking to graduate or looking to get that degree. I think everybody on planet Earth who has ever lived on planet Earth is looking for happiness, looking for peace. I just want to pass on to you today the perspective of the angel. From the perspective of the angel, Jesus is worth looking for. Jesus can be found. And if you're looking for this happiness and peace, that can truly only be found in a lasting way through Jesus. It is eternally found in Jesus. And that is your God-given purpose on earth is to look for Jesus, You were designed by God to look for Jesus. And when you find him right here in front of you, hold on to him and worship him like these women did. In chapter 28, verse 9 says the women, they fell at Jesus' feet and they held on to him and they worshiped him. Now this word for held onto it means to take hold of aggressively, and it means to not let go. Imagine if you're going uh, through an airport, a crowded airport, and there's people all around you, or you're you're at a sporting event or a concert, and there's people all around you crowding in, or if you're at the Lorraine County Fair on a Friday night, and there's people all around you, and you've got a young child with you. And with all this crowd, it would be easy to lose that young child. And so you're holding on to their hand, and you're not going to let go. That's what this word means. They took hold of Jesus, and they didn't let go. Let me point out to you that Jesus does not let go of you. If you reach out to him... You ask Him to be your Savior, to forgive your sins, to take the judgment that was meant for you and take it upon Himself. He holds on to you. He doesn't let go. Now, you may wander sometimes. You may get distracted. You may be unfaithful to Christ. But He has not let go of you and He will not let go of you. Now, in life, Jesus is not just some passing fad where you try him out, you see if he works for you, and then you move on if you get bored, or you move on if something more interesting comes along. Listen now, Jesus is the Son of God. He is the one and only Savior. There was no one like him. There was no death like his. Hold on to him at all cost. During this time of uncertainty, there's one thing that is certain and that is Jesus is alive and he holds on to you and he is worthy of you holding on to him. And not just holding on to, but being worshipped too. These two Marys, they held on to him and they worshipped Jesus. Listen, they would not do this if they believed that he was just a mere man. If he was just a great human being. They would only worship God. And they were convinced by their worship here that this Jesus was indeed the Son of God. No one like Him. And that is our response to the resurrection. That is God's given purpose for you and for me to look for Him intently and then to hold on to Him and worship this Jesus. And there's one final purpose in the resurrection And that is to go and to tell about Jesus. In chapter 28, verse 7, the angel told the women, go and tell the disciples. Then in chapter 28, verse 10, Jesus told the women, go and tell the disciples. This is the greatest news. That Jesus is alive. That judgment was poured out on him. And we can escape that judgment by putting our faith in Jesus. This Jesus who broke down the barrier between us and God gives us access to God. He conquered death, and so we can avoid and conquer that second death through Him. This is great news. This is news that is worthy of being shared. Now, our mainstream media today is quick to share bad news. That's what gets ratings. That's what gets money. But our purpose is to be quick to share the good news. That Jesus Christ is God. That Jesus Christ is alive. That Jesus Christ is the Savior. That's good news. He is waiting to meet people. He's waiting for you to come meet Him. We've been reading about Friday night. We've been reading about Sunday morning. Let's back it up just four days to Thursday morning. In John chapter 12, verses 20 and 21, On Thursday morning, some people wanted to meet Jesus. Verse 20 says, Some Greeks who had come to Jerusalem for the Passover celebration came to Philip and said, Sir, we want to meet Jesus. My question for you today is Do you want to meet Jesus? Do you want to come to God? Because you've been given access, the barrier has been broken. Do you want to be forgiven? The judgment that you deserve can be put on Christ if you ask Him to forgive you and take that punishment for you. Do you want eternal life in heaven with the Father? Do you want the Father? Do you want God leading your life on earth? It's right here in Jesus who's alive by the power of God. So my invitation for you today is to come to Jesus. He's right here. Look intently. You can see Him. You can find Him. Hold on to Him. Worship Him. Tell others about Him. Come to Jesus. You might ask the question, well, how exactly do I do that? It starts off by admitting, you know what, I've got a problem. We all have a problem. That problem's called sin. The Bible says all have sinned and we all fall short of God. That's the bad news. But the good news is that Jesus Christ can forgive us and will forgive us if we ask Him to. The wages of sin is death and judgment, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So it's simply asking Him, Jesus, please forgive my sins. Please give me eternal life. I want you to bear the judgment that I deserve. I want to rise again into eternity with God through you. I trust you and I trust you alone. The Bible says in Romans 8 that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you will be saved. You can come to Jesus today. Um, you can pray that right now. You can just say it right now quietly Jesus, I believe. I need you. I want you. You're my Savior. If you're doing that today, would you do me a favor? On our uh, Freedom Bible Church webpage, uh, www.freedombible.church, at the top there is a contact tab that you can click on. Would you click on that and just type in your name and in the message area just say, Hey, you know what? I put my faith in Jesus today. I came to Jesus today. I asked Jesus to forgive me today. Would you just let us know that? We would love to know that. We'll get in contact with you. We want to help you to not just know this Jesus, but to follow this Jesus and let God's power work in your life as well. And if, if you're today saying, you know what, I bl- have believed in Jesus for a while, but this is challenging me to grow, go to that too and let us know about that. If you've got a prayer request, go to that contact place there on our webpage, and and share that prayer need that you have and we'll pray for that too. Um, let me pray for you today. Father, we, we thank you for the very first Easter. We think that we're living crazy times. That was a crazy weekend right there, Father. Your power on display. Darkness coming over the land. The, the curtain being ripped from the top to the bottom. Graves split open. Two different earthquakes... Holy people, dead bodies, coming back to life and people seeing them. Jesus coming back to life. Uh, the firstborn of the rest of us who are going to come back to life into eternal life. Lord, we praise you and thank you that, that Jesus paid the penalty, took the judgment for us. And I pray, God, that everybody listening today would put their faith in Jesus, put their trust in Jesus to be their Savior, and that we would all cling to and hold on to Jesus And that we would all let you, God, direct our life by your great power. That's our prayer, Father, uh, through Jesus. Amen. I want to invite you to come back next week. We're on every Sunday and you can get on any day of the week. Um, Next week we're going to start a six-week series about the Holy Spirit. We talked today about the power of God. In order to have God's power working in our life every day on earth, We need to know about and access His Holy Spirit. We're going to spend six weeks looking at that starting next week. Uh, Thanks for joining us today. God bless you.